Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And uh, as promised, we have two very special guests, and uh, one actually happened to sing that song. Uh, we have Julie and Alex Boyer uh, joining us today. And uh, thanks to both of you for uh, for coming in on a Monday. Thanks for having us. I'm away from kids for a minute. <laughs> Uh, uh, and uh, Julie, I want to start right in, uh, right in with you. You penned a, a very powerful piece over the weekend at Deseret.com uh, talking about why you teach your children, your biracial children, about Black History Month. Tell us, just give us a little backstory there. Yeah, you know, I, I have to admit I'm not as good at it as I should be, and I have had just lots of experiences throughout the years watching how they've responded and how they've been you know, treated for good and for bad. And um, I've heard all the stories from Alex and I just kind of realized that I am oblivious. And I think a lot of us, I don't want to say necessarily white people, but unless we have been in their situation and in their shoes, we have no idea what they've really experienced. And so often, you know, we've always said, oh, all lives matter. Well, what about White History Month? And Alex has kind of helped me to realize, like, look, it's not about, you know, focusing on you know, white history or Asian history, or it's just about kind of acknowledging, to me at least, what they've experienced, what they're currently going through, going through, what they went through 400 years ago, what they are dealing with that we just don't deal with because of, you know, simply the nature of our skin. Yeah, uh, such, such powerful lessons. And as we come down the uh, home stretch of, of Black History Month, as we've been reviewing and looking at all the different angles and uh, and all of the richness of the history. Uh, Alex, you've been able to experience, I, I think, just such an interesting breadth of all of this, uh, both from your upbringing, uh, your, your own experience. Uh, I know you've had situations where you've not been black enough or you've been too white this or <laughs> not enough of that. Uh, share just a little bit of your experience with us, just for some perspective. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, first of all, thank you so much for having us on. And I've got to tell you, this Black History Month, with everything that's been going on, I just want to just give you a huge shout-out, KSL, Deseret News, for highlighting Black History Month and the people, and just bringing some awareness. I, I thank you so much for that. Um, I was going to say, so with me, yeah, I feel sometimes one way or the other, you know. Some people told me I'm too black. Some people said I'm not black enough. Some people said I'm too Mormon. 
<laughs> Some people said I'm not Mormon enough, so I get all of that. So I found myself bouncing around from one thing to another. And I've been realizing that I'm cool with that. It's taken me a long time. But once I became cool and comfortable with that, then I could start to be a better ally to people. Mm. Like, for example, I had, you know, and I hear it a lot. A lot of my white friends will say, Alex, you know, I love you. And I know they do. And they're not lying. I, I just t- want to tell you, I don't see color. You know, I, I'm color, but I don't see it. And, and what I just say in the biggest loving way is, no, 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 no. Please see color. Oh. God made me black for a reason. Don't erase that by saying you don't see the blackness that God gave me. Oh, that's There's so... a reason for yes. that. And so, so what I say is as well is like when I came from England, all right, the white, the white Brits are different from the American Brits. And I celebrated that. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's like so different. That didn't, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. And what I realized is that I just wanted to celebrate what Black History Month teaches me. I know it sounds weird, is that it teaches me to celebrate as many things about me, but about other people and other cultures as possible. Because let me tell you, it's going to be someone else's turn. Yeah. It's going to be the LGBTQ's turn we're going to celebrate. It's going to be the, the, the Asians, the uh, Native uh, Americans, Indians, who, oh, my gosh, right? Yeah. We're gonna, everyone's going to get a celebration. So, you know, when you give someone a present, they, the, you're the first one that gets one back from them. Mm. And that's what I'm starting to realize, that, yes, okay, see me, recognize me, but I'm not the only one. I want to recognize you, too. And so I'm, I'm actually really, in a strange way, enjoying this experience more than I ever have before, because usually I shy away from it. But now I'm saying, no, let's celebrate, yes, you know, the Black History Month. Yeah. Dang, man, let's celebrate it all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and and I love that you bring that up uh, because I, I'm just one of those who passionately believes that oneness is not sameness. Uh, and we do Ooh! we do have to. to... Boy, that's, that's deep, bro. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. We, and we got to celebrate those differences, that uniqueness. There's such power in it. Uh, to to yeah. really do that, and so we do have to see the color. We have to see the differences. Julie, I want to go back to you yeah. in, in terms of your children, uh, and what are you doing to help them uh, really appreciate their uniqueness, and uh, as Alex said, to appreciate the uniqueness in others. Oh my goodness! Well, what aren't we doing? I mean, we've got them in all different kinds of sports and activities, and you know, sometimes they'll come home and they'll say, "Mom, I'm the only brown person," and I'm like, "That is so awesome." Do you know what that means? And we just kind of celebrate who they are. And you're the only one with curly hair. Oh, my gosh. That means you, you stand out so well. That means, and everybody wants to touch your hair. Really? Guess what? I want to touch it, too. And just try to make everything a positive experience. And, and you know, oftentimes we'll take them. Alex wants them, you know, rightfully so, to be exposed to more people that look like them. So it's not always like, well, it's only me, mom. And so we'll go to to, to places like to the the refugees. You know, Alex is an ambassador for the the, the refugees here in Utah. So we'll go and 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 see the those people. You know, and you hate to say put it in a different category, like they're different from us, but like people who have the same skin color as them. And you know, and I try to have my girls get their hair braided the way that African American women do their hair and. I just don't want them to ever resent me for not trying to help them embrace their culture and their heritage because they are half black, you know, whether they live in this white society up here in East Sandy, you know, or not. Yeah, uh, so important. And I, I just love the the approach that the two of you are taking 
uh, in terms of just creating functioning from a position of strength, valuing who you are and what you bring to the table, uh, and then expanding that. Uh, Alex, just uh, we got just a couple of minutes left, uh, and I want you give us kind of your international experience to it, because again, I think you've experienced this across the board, not just here in in Utah, but in many other places. Uh, and, and what are you yeah. learning and what should we be leaning into all of us? What should we be leaning into when it comes to diversity and these real critical conversations? Yeah. You know, I think, look, I'm not the answer. I've always said that, you know what I mean? But I've just had an experience and there's so many. So what I'll say is different from what another black man will say or whatever. It's just like if I talk to you as a white person and says, what's your experience? then I cannot take just your experience as gospel for everybody else. Does that make sense? Yes. And so I think the key is not to generalize, Mm. not to generalize anything, because it's all from one perspective. One experience does not speak for everybody. You know, I can stand up and tell you what it's like to be a black man and this and that, that and this, but I cannot speak for everyone. And I think the key is sometimes we taint everyone with the same brush. And so I think it's just really just looking at everyone as an individual, not as you people or our people or these people. You know, I mean, look, you know, even with BYU, you of you, right? Yes. Even when we start doing that, when we say, oh, this is, I'm BYU, you know what I mean? Now, I'm, I'm all red, I bleed red. Then all of a sudden, the, the, the best part of it starts to disappear. And all of a sudden, it becomes this from this friendly competition to this just animosity towards each other. And so that's kind of the same way with race. Yes. You know what I mean? I think it's just the key is just allowing each other to be who we are Uh, without without judgment. And that's not always the easiest thing. I'm not saying I've got that down, but boy, when I try, it does make my life a little better. uh, And it makes everyone's life a little better. Uh, Julie and Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. I love your perspective. I love your approach. Uh, And uh, Alex, as you very powerfully sing, we all bleed the same. Uh, no matter your color. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank Let's you. See. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour break. That is a great conversation, a crucial conversation that we need to have more of. Stick around. We're going to talk about Dixie State University coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.